Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Well, who watched the Kentucky Derby yesterday? There's three kinds of people in the room right now. There are people that are not happy at all, thinking that somehow your horse that ran the perfect race lost if you were in favor of maximum security and you lost a lot of money or something. There's people that think, isn't God good? I've come back from the dead. And I was for Country House, and now I'm a Kentucky Derby champion. And there's some of you sitting there thinking, was there a horse race yesterday? What are they talking about? But those are kind of the three kinds of people that are in the room right now. And uh, all have entirely different emotions. Well, we're continuing our series called Fight Club today. And we're going to talk about fighting for your finances. Maybe some of you lost money yesterday. Some of you gained money yesterday. But finances are one of the things that we tend to fight about the most in our country. Did you know it's the number one thing married couples fight about? The number one thing married couples fight about are finances. Guess what the number two thing is? Kids. Kids, yeah. Who's ever had an argument about finances or kids? Yeah, yeah, everybody in the room. Okay, just about... We've all had, those are the two things that, that we tend to argue about as couples, but finances is, one of, is the number one thing that we tend to fight about. Finances always seem to be before us. They always seem to be something that we're thinking about. So we're going to look over in Matthew chapter 25 today, and we're going to look at one of the parables of Jesus, Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 14, and we're going to see what it has to say about fighting for your finances. Now, this parable that we're going to look at over in Matthew 25, 14, it is actually a parable about the second coming and the judgment at the end of time. But what Jesus is going to be saying in this parable is that when it comes to the judgment, we're going to be held accountable for what we did with what we had. And so uh, we're going to be looking at it that way, talking about uh, how God uh, expects us to use what we have. So look over to Matthew 25, verse 14, and the first thing we see is this. It's all God's stuff. It's all God's stuff. Now, now this is deep theology, okay? That's why I use the word stuff, so you all can, can keep up with it here. Uh, you know, it's all God's stuff. Everything you have, everything you've earned, everything you've bought, in the big picture, it's all God's stuff. Look at verse 14 of Matthew 25. Again, it's like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one of them he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability, and then he went on his journey. So you have this wealthy man who's going on this long trip, and so he's dividing his finances up, his business uh, dealings uh, among three of his trusted servants, and they're going to manage his stuff while he's gone. It's emphasized over and over again, it's not their stuff, they are managing someone else's stuff. And that's the first principle of finances that we have to understand, is that everything we have is not ours, it's God's. Now you may think, well wait, I worked for it, I bought it, how's it not mine? 
because everything in this world is God's. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and everyone who dwells in it. You can't get any more specific than that. Psalm 50 verse 10 says, Every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. So everything is God's. If you think it's yours because you worked for it and bought it, then ask yourself a few questions. It might be your house, my house. What happens if you miss a payment on your house? The bank takes it. What happens if you miss a payment on your car? The bank takes it. What happens in a few years when you die? Your kids fight over your stuff. You think it's yours, but it's really not. It's my property. I bought it. And then the state comes along and declares eminent domain and takes your property. We think this stuff is all ours, but it's really not. We're told in our scripture, everything is God's. And we need to look at how we are being stewards of what God has given us. We are the exact same situation mentioned in our scripture passage. That each of us are called to be stewards of God's stuff. So whatever you have, whether it's a little or a lot, you're called to be a steward of God's stuff. There's a a story out of Calgary, Canada. Uh, A guy rented his house with an Airbnb recently to to one couple. Just one couple was coming in to stay in house for his weekend. He got a call from their neighbors and said, Man, there is a huge party going on at your house and they're tearing up everything. He shows up, there's over a hundred people at the house. He can't give them the leave. He's finally got to call the police to get him out of here. Here's a picture of his house when he went in afterwards. Totally trashed his house. So these were people that had come in for just a weekend on an Airbnb and they totally destroyed this man's house. It wasn't their stuff. And that's what we need to understand as we start this is that it's all God's stuff. It's not our stuff. That brings us to the second thing we see in our scripture passage. Each of us is responsible for what we've received of God's stuff. Each of us is responsible for what we've received of God's stuff. Keep reading in our scripture passage down to verse uh, 17. So also the one with two, or, or verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. And the man who had received one bag of gold went and dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. And after a long time, the masters of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So each of the people, the one that received the five bags, the one that received the two bags of gold, and the one that received the one bag of gold, they were all responsible for what they'd received of God's stuff. Now, they got varying, varying amounts of, 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 the, uh, of, the, of the guy's stuff, and, and that's how it is today. Some of you out there are, are very, very wealthy. Some of you have no money at all. But the, the parable here is saying it doesn't matter how much you have or how much you don't have. Whatever you have, you are responsible for what you do with it. So money is a neutral. Money's not a good and money's not a bad. Stuff is a neutral. The stuff you have, it's, it's not good or it's not bad. It's what you do with it, how you respond to God's blessing that says whether or not it is good or whether or not it's bad. 
Now, we're responsible for a lot of things in this world. We're responsible uh, and responsible to a lot of different people. We're responsible to our parents when we're kids. Kids, uh, As we grow up, we're responsible to the marriage that we have. Uh, We're responsible to our children uh, and the way that we raise them. Uh, We're responsible for the way we take care of our house and the way we take care of our car. Responsibility to our teachers, responsibility to our employers, responsibility to the state. We have a lot of different responsibilities, but one of the responsibilities we have is to care for the things God's given us. Now, I'm going to take a little detour here, and we're going to talk over in the book of Proverbs about five ways that you can be more responsible with what you have. These are going to be very simple. We're going to go through them very quickly, but they are major. Five ways to be responsible with God's stuff and what he has given you. And the first is this, you need to be ready because this is, this is a, a big one. Spend less than you make. Doesn't that sound like rocket science? Spend less than you make. If you make $10 a week, don't spend 15 Wow, isn't that amazing? Over in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 21, verse 10, look at what it says. It says, In the house of the wise are the choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours everything he has. Now, it seems fairly simple. Spend less than you make. I mean, how simple can it be? You know how simple it is? 60% of Americans spend more money than they make. 60%. Look around the room. Count 10 people. Look at six of them and go, now, what's going on here? We spend more money than we make. Why do we spend more money than we make? Because we want stuff. And so we're going to get it. There is absolutely no control. We're going to get whatever we want. We want immediate gratification. There's a sense of power and self-worth when we get stuff. And so we buy stuff that we simply can't afford. We spend more money than we take in. Not only that, uh, as you look around... 50% of people have no savings at all. No savings. And so we we spend more than we take in, and we we have no savings. Now, I'm wondering about the 10% in there that that are spending more than they make, but somehow are getting savings. I don't know where that came from. Uh, But, you know, that's kind of an interesting quirk of of all of that. But there you are. You, You need to spend less money than you make. What happens? How do you pay for things if you make If you spend more money than you make, you go into debt. And that's the next thing that we see. Be wise about going into debt. Be wise about going into debt. Look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. So you spend more money than you make. People don't just give you things if you won't pay for it. So how do you get it? You go into debt. And so that's how we pay for things that we can't afford. We go into debt. So the average individual has $5,000 in credit card debt. We have $10,000 in family credit card debt. The average American that went to college today in 2019 has $50,000 in college loan debt. We have $150,000 in house debt. $50,000 
$30,000 in car debt. They, they buy better cars than I do, apparently. And, uh, and, you know, and, and so the average American household is over $200,000 in debt from the time that you start. And our scripture says the borrower is servant to the lender. In other words, you become a slave to whoever you owe money to. And it's really true. I learned that the first house Dawn and I bought. When we went in, we got our 30-year loan, and, and our house back then cost $50,000. And I figured up in 30 years, I was going to pay $150,000 for my $50,000 house. Now, who thinks that sounds like a rigged system? If you buy a $200,000 house, in 30 years, you will spend $600,000 to pay for that house. You've spent more than a half a million dollars on the house. You're a rich person. You just didn't know it, you know, as you got into it. So you become a slave in debt. Evander Holyfield was a a great boxer, heavyweight champion. He's the one that Mike Tyson bit his ear off and everything. Made $230 million during his boxing career. Who thinks that's a pretty fair sum? Evander Holyfield is completely broke today. He bought a house in Atlanta, Georgia that cost $110 million 20 years ago. Here, here's a picture of Evander Holyfield's house right there. Pretty nice, isn't it? 109 rooms, 19 bathrooms, uh, pretty ni- 29 bedrooms. Uh, pretty nice house that Evander Holyfield has. Now think about that again. 230 total lifetime, 230 million total lifetime uh, makings, 110 million just for his house. Okay, so it's not going to take very long as he buys stuff that everything starts to go under until his bills overwhelmed him. And today, Evander Holyfield has absolutely nothing after making $230 million. And so what have we seen? You spend more than you make, we go into debt. So how do you stop this cycle? That's the third thing that we see. Make a budget and stick to it. Make a budget and stick to it. Chip, I don't like budgets. Why don't you like them? Because they make me stick to them. You know, I can't spend money on what I want any longer. Well, that's the whole point of a budget. Look over, if you will, to Proverbs 21, verse 5. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So you can do what you want. You can spend it on whatever you want. It's going to lead to poverty. But the plans of the diligent, people that make a plan, that see where their money's going, those people are going to end up prospering. And so make a budget. Did you know 33% of people have no retirement at all? 33% of people, when they get to the point of retirement age, has no retirement. So how are you going to retire? You're not. Uh, you're going to work till you're 90 or till you conk off or, or something like that. But, but it's not going to be anything that comes from I, I diligently plan and set aside. Uh, I had a good plan going here. Now, Dawn and I, several years ago, we tried financial peace. Anybody ever try financial peace? I loved financial peace until something happened. You know, I loved it until the first envelope ran out of money. When the first envelope ran out of money, I was through with financial peace. Hey, this was a great idea till I don't get to spend it on whatever I want anymore. Then there was a problem. You know, suddenly I questioned the whole system. You know, I don't like this anymore because I want to spend money on something. And just because there's no money in this envelope, I can't do it. That's keep, bless you. That's, that's, that's keeping you from wanting. But that's how we are. Well, you just... You just run into the same problem. I'm going to spend more than I earn. I'm going to go into debt, and I'm going to do nothing to plan 
to take care of it. That brings us to a fourth thing that we see. I told you we'd go through these fairly quickly. You're supposed to use what you have to help others. Use what you have to help others. Proverbs eleven twenty five: A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. A generous person will prosper. Somebody that doesn't just want to hold on to everything they've got, but wants to help and bless others with it. Those people are going to prosper. Uh, people who want to hold it all in uh, aren't going to be that way. You refresh others, you refresh yourself. So on Judgment Day, God's not going to look at you and say, how much money did you have? He's going to look at you and say, what did you do with what you have to help other people? That's what God cares about. Whether it's a lot or a little, what are you doing with what you have to make a difference and to care for other people? A very simple uh, thing. And it doesn't have to be major amounts of money. It just has to be looking and caring and doing what you can for other people. In Lincoln, Alabama this week, three guys went to eat at a restaurant, three friends. They went in, and there was a lady sitting there eating by herself, a senior adult lady. Uh, one of them, Jamario Howard, looked at his friend and said, you know, I hate eating alone. He said, I'm going to go ask that lady to come eat with us. And so he went over and asked her to come eat with him. Got a picture of him right here. Uh, they were there. So uh, that's Jamario here on the end. He went over and asked the lady to join them. She came and joined them, and he said, hey, what's, you know, tell us a little about yourself. And she said, well, my husband passed away about a month ago. Both of my kids live out of town. And this is my 60th wedding anniversary. And I figured that I needed to go out and eat for my wedding anniversary, first one without my husband. And then you all invited me over to eat. When they got through with their meal, she got up and she said, I'm going to pay for your all's meal. And Jamario said, no, you're not. And he grabbed her check and he said, happy anniversary. Now, that's a small thing. Didn't cost him a major amount of money, but it's exactly what we're talking about here. How are you using whatever you have to care for and help others? And then the last principle that we see, put God first in all things, including your finances. Put God first in all things, including your finances. Look down to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruit of your crops. So we're told that, look, this is all God's stuff. And when you honor God with it, what you're saying is, I recognize it comes from you. I recognize my blessing is from you. And I want to give it back to you. With the first fruits of your crops. Now that's from an agrarian society, where when the crops came in, we're told the first of what you have from your crops, you're supposed to give to God. That was a very hard thing to do because you've been waiting all year to get a, get a harvest in, and now you're giving the first part of that harvest in recognition of who God is and that it's all his stuff and that you, you believe and trust and honor God with what you've made. Change that verse today and say, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first part of your paycheck. It's basically what it's saying uh, today so that we are to understand and put God first in everything. So those are five very simple ways to be responsible with your money. Okay, here is God. He says, it's all my stuff. I've blessed you, and I've given you some of my stuff, and now you need to be responsible with it. How are we responsible? We're responsible by not spending more than we, we make. We're responsible by not going into debt. We're responsible by getting a budget, by helping others, by giving first to God. That brings us to the next thing that we see in our Scripture. We are accountable for how we manage God's stuff. We're accountable for how we manage God's stuff. 
Now, it's one thing to be responsible. It's another thing to be accountable. And we're not just responsible, we're accountable. Now, there's a lot of things we were responsible for that we've messed up pretty good in our life. You know, uh, you know think of some of you, uh, you have a car and you're responsible for that car, but you don't change the oil. It looks like a garbage can when you look in the back seat or something where you throw all your trash. You know, you haven't done a very good job with your car. You know, some of you, the same thing in your house. If I said, I'm going to come over to your house today, you'd say, well, give us a week so we can clean up one room for you to, to come in. You haven't done a very good job of being responsible for it. You're responsible for your kids. Some of you are thinking, oh, man, I hope they don't look at my kids if I'm responsible for them and what's going on right now. You know, that, that, would, be, that would not be good at all. You're responsible for your marriage, both marriage one, two, three, four, five. You're responsible for all of those, you know, as you went into them. So we have a lot of responsibility that sometimes we don't carry on very well. But the truth of the matter is, with God's stuff, we're accountable. Look back in our scripture passage, uh, if you will, um, to verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. We don't like to think that one day God's going to settle accounts with us, do we? The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five and said, Master, you entrusted with me five bags of gold. I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came and said, Master, you gave me two. I've made two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man. You harvest where you've not sown, you gather where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your gold in the ground. Look, here's the bag of gold you gave me. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered. Well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with a banker and drawn interest on it. And so each of the three people were brought before their master and were accountable for what they had done with his stuff. One day we will stand before God and we will be accountable for what we have done with God's stuff. We're going to be accountable for the way we raised our children, accountable uh, for, for the relationships that we've had. We're going to be uh, accountable for how we used and helped others with the blessings that God had given us. Each of us are going to be accountable to God for what we have and how we have used what we have. And that's not always a pleasant thing. If I ask you right now, look at what you have. And what are you doing with it right now? How, is, how are you helping others, caring for people with what you have? How are you using your blessings to be a blessing to others? And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture. God will only give you more when you're faithful with what you have. God will only give you more when you're faithful with what you already have. Now, what's the mantra that everybody has? If I just had a little bit more, then everything would be good. What happens when you get just that little bit more? You spend it, and then you want just a little bit more. That's how it goes. A little bit more doesn't help. God says, be faithful with what you have, then I'll give you more. Look over to verse 28. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever doesn't have, even what they have will be taken away from them. Throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing 
of teeth. So it's a very simple principle. God says, be faithful with what you have now, and I'll give you more. Now, he's not just talking monetarily. He's talking in life. When you're generous to other people, God's going to give you more opportunities to be generous and care for others. When you use your stuff well, God will give you opportunities to get more stuff because he wants you to use what you have for his glory. So let's say you have a kid. They turn 16 years old. You buy them a car. You don't go into debt to do it. You save them some money. You buy them a car. And then what happens? Six months later, the kid comes back and they say, well, I didn't change the oil. The engine blew up. I wrecked it on the side. Uh, I tore the seats up when I, when I got in and I hit it with my pen. And uh, there's some mold in the back from where I threw all my McDonald's for the last six months or something like that. So you need to get me a new car. And I'd like to upgrade a little bit this time. If you're mom and dad, what do you say to that kid? Yeah, as you look at it. Well, one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to have to go through that same scenario. Hey, you gave me all this stuff and look what I did with it. I hoarded it. I kept it for myself. I helped nobody with it. It became obsessive to me and it's all I could think about is more, more, more. And, and, uh, and I, I totally lost sight of who I was. And one day we have to stand before God. But we're told that the more you use what you have, the more opportunities God's going to give you. And so if you want more, first be faithful with what you have. If you want the nicer car, then you need to start taking care of the car that you have right now. The simple fact of the matter is money dominates our life. In our culture, buying and selling and getting more, it's just something that we talk about incessantly. That's why in the movie Lord of the Rings, when, uh, you know, when, the, when the guy goes crazy trying to find the ring, you know, he's obsessed with it. It really is. It's a very simple analogy Tolkien's making. This is how people are with money. You know, they're going berserk. It becomes an obsession with them. And so to get a better perspective on what God has to say, it's all God's stuff. We're responsible for God's stuff. We're going to be accountable for it. And uh, when we hear those things, we look at life in a different way. Anybody know who the ex-basketball player Carl Malone is? Carl Malone, the mailman, because what did he do? He delivered. When he went to the basket, the mailman delivered every time. You know, got a picture of Carl Malone right here. He's one of my favorite players. Like, you know, Carl and I kind of have the same arms, as you, as you can tell <laughs> right there. You know, yeah, yeah, as we're going through. Well, Carl Malone's uh, retired now, so he doesn't have as much money as he did when he was playing basketball. He's only worth like $175 million right now. And uh, so he's got a little bit of money uh, left and everything. When Hurricane Katrina hit in 2005, uh, Malone happened to be in Pasagoula, Mississippi. Anybody ever been to Pasagoula, Mississippi? Oh, man, a lot of people. Okay. So uh, he was in Pasagoula, Mississippi. There was a whole stretch where FEMA hadn't been able to come in and do everything. Homes still destroyed, trash everywhere. And so Carl Malone called FEMA and said, hey, man, I run this trucking company. I've got all this stuff. I'm going to bring it down here to Pasagula. We're going to clear all, this, all these houses out and make it where the people can come back home. And FEMA told him, what do you think? No, you can't do that. Only licensed government contractors can work on FEMA projects. And uh, this is a project that we have not set as a priority and uh, so we're going to get to it. He had his lawyers check, and they said, well, they're going to get to it in a year or two. And he said, well, how come all the rich homes you've gotten to, but all the poor homes you haven't gotten to? And so Carl Malone sent a letter by his attorney and said, well, I'm going to go clear these yards out in these houses anyway. 
They told, if you do that, then uh, we will bring suit against you. And so Carl Malone brought 18 uh, uh, tractor trailers and all this down, set all this equipment out, had all these people to help, called every newspaper and television station around and said, we're going to go help these people, and if I get thrown in jail, I'm throwing thrown in jail for helping people. They went out and in one week cleared 114 lots and made it where the people could move back in. In one week. And guess what FEMA did? Nothing. (laughs) Because it was now out in the public. And so he was interviewed afterwards. And they said, Carl, this cost you a ton of money. Why did you do it? And he said something really interesting. He said, my mama died a year ago. And when she was really sick, like the last week of her life, he said, I sat at her bedside and I held her hand and I started to cry. And I said, Mama, I would do anything to help you. What can I do? And he said, she looked at me and said, baby, God has blessed you enormously. Bless others enormously. That's what you can do for me. And so that's what he's doing. He's just going out and wanting to bless others with the blessing that God has given him. That's the whole principle we've been talking about this morning. Whether you've got a lot or whether you've got a little, all God is going to ask you one day is not how much you had. He's going to say, what did you do with what you had to help others? Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for trusting us to be your stewards. Help us this morning to look at what we have and to use it for good. In Jesus' name, amen. We come to this time of invitation where you're being invited to what God says to you. During this time, there's a lot of things you could do. Uh, I know some of you have things going on in your life. A lot of challenges, and maybe you just want to come and pray at this altar. We've got ministers that will come and pray with you. You may be here and you need to ask yourself, where do I fall in that continuum of being responsible? And maybe right now you're not being as responsible as you should be. Right now it's just instant gratification. You've got to make some tough choices and say, Lord, help me to start being more responsible with what you've given me. You can come this time and say, I want to join this church and be a part of what this church is doing. And the most important thing you could ever do is say, I want Jesus Christ in my life. And you come and follow him as Lord and Savior. This is your time and opportunity as we stand together. Well, appreciate you being here today. Uh, Have a great week. Let's close the prayer. Well, that's the best I could do. I'm sorry. (laughs) That part was unscripted. Who could tell? Let's let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for this time together. Uh, As we go out, help us to realize that you've given us a lot of blessings Help us to bless others with what you have given unto us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. 
We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.